Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. As I like to address my audience, I'm sure that they are ladies and that they are gentlemen, right? And uh, not confused with all this gender stuff. Okay, I'm getting off of track already. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. Uh, today we are bringing you our Wednesday report, ladies and gentlemen, here over at or from the C Studios. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as uh, Michael Aaron Gossidis, live and in the flesh for the next couple of hours. And uh, we're ready to bring to you a different type of report for today. So much stuff going on around these United States of America... I thought I would distract us with another distraction, so uh, you will have that coming to you absolutely in just a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday. We've finally made it to the middle of the week. That's right. We've made it to midweek here on this lovely May 25th, 2022. I hope... uh, I hope all my Texas kinfolk are doing okay out there. It seems like we had a series of uh, pretty bad storms roll through last night. (coughs) And, uh, well, I mean, not too bad in my neck of the woods. Unless you count a thunderclap only a few seconds removed from the lightning strike, right? Could be kind of scary at two in the morning. It's okay, ladies and gentlemen. I, I know up north. Uh, they had, um, uh, they had like tornado warnings and all that stuff going on. So hopefully everybody is okay in that regard and, uh, everyone is doing well this afternoon, evening, wherever it is, whatever time zone you happen to be in today, as we get into the C report, uh, coming to you live, of course, over at Pilled, Foxhole, Clout Hub, Twitch and Rumble, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, most definitely encouraging Many of you all, uh, if you're not part of our Rumble family, if you're not part of our uh, uh, Clout Hub family, our Foxhole family, make sure you follow and or subscribe. By all means, please do so. Please do so. Uh, We actually broke 100 subscribers over at Rumble. I know that's not, you know, uh, nothing to write home about, but hey. Uh, it is it is for me over here at the C Studios. I was actually quite excited. Uh, been working long and hard uh, to get the viewership and uh, certainly hope that I am continuing to deliver on the goods and um, uh, uh, and festooning, right? Is that the, the right word to use? Probably not. Offering um, a show that is informative, if not slightly entertaining, think that's my goal here right to be slightly entertaining definitely informative definitely informative and uh, actually that's particularly the reason why we are tackling the topic today and uh, that is the topic of Russia and Ukraine oh people are like ah Russia and Ukraine we don't want to talk about Russia and Ukraine well you know I don't know on some on some platforms and uh, by some manner of speaking, uh, I jumped early on that game as soon as it was developing. I don't I don't like to wait sometimes for a story to be fully developed before getting into the fray. 
you know, I don't need a green light. I don't need permission. I don't need a news director because I am my own news director here, guys, to tell me whether or not I can talk about a certain topic or a point of view on the topic. But, you know, I think a brief review, if not a thorough one, uh, would actually be rather telling about what was developing in Russia and Ukraine prior to it happening, right? We had months and months of military buildup near the border of Ukraine. Yeah. And so, uh, well, we did not shy away from speaking about it. I did not shy away from speaking about it, particularly in regards to the Nazi thing, guys, because prior to Putin's um, special military operation being executed in Ukraine, uh, we were running all of the stories about the Nazis in Ukraine here for uh, some time. I mean, at least since the buildup became alarming, right? Once it had gotten to those uh, heights of um, uh, anxiety and, and fear-mongering on the legacy media, I was like, you know what we got to do now, guys? We got to get that counter-narrative out there because, after all, uh, it could be over before we open our mouths if we wait for someone to say, it's okay for you to talk about this on your live stream, right? And so that's why I did it. And I'm glad I did, you know, um, the entire debate, I think, when we're talking about Western media versus independent or alternative media, obviously, obviously, uh, is uh, um, whether or not Russia is an enemy of freedom and Ukraine should be uh, embraced and saved and loved by everyone from America to uh, the ends of the earth. Well, that narrative quickly crumbled, at least here at the Sea Report, because like I said, reporting on the Nazis here, IDAR, Right Sector, Azov, all battalions and political parties. Uh, so we knew something was up, guys. And I think it was long about the time that George Soros started saying, you must protect Ukraine. You must defeat Russia, that everyone else jumped on the bandwagon had to wait until everyone's favorite globalist um, nation destroyer was uh, open and out and talking about his opinion on Ukraine, right? Yeah, I know, I know, I'm, 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 I'm being a little picky here, right? Being a little picky. But uh, you know what? Uh, the body of the Ukraine-Russia debacle is quite scabbed, ladies and gentlemen. It's been scabbed since Maidan. It's been scabbed since prior to that. It's been scabbed since the days of Stephen Bandera walked the streets and the Ukrainian Nazis exterminated Jews and other folk back in the 40s, World War II, guys. So uh, I thought it was, yeah, it was pretty relevant and I think pretty right on par to get in on that conversation early. And now, amidst the lengthy military operation that is still in process in Ukraine, guys. Uh, people have just about forgot about it, right? I mean, I, I was uh, right out of the gates. I said, uh, Putin needs to go in and go out, right? I mean, I get the joke. Once, uh, once, uh, once, uh, once he poots in, <laughs> he does not pull out, right? I get the joke, but uh, we all know, we all realize uh, by reading alternative, well, actually, it's not even the alternative independence, guys, because uh, they were 
singing the praises of uh, Putin is a war criminal up until the point that, again, George Soros started uh, barking like a dog. Uh, it was it was by uh, researching and digging through international media, right? And non-globalist, non-Western back media, backed media. And that's where we got the counter narrative to what the West is pushing, okay? Not even the independents out there, not even the big dogs, right? We're saying that, guys, because... Uh, uh, for some reason, when it comes to international journalism and headlines, they uh, they seem to not be able to figure out that if uh, the legacy Western-backed media is going to lie to you in America, they're going to lie to you all around the world, guys, and they're going to feed you a story that most likely is not true or has some kind of spin to it. You know, we used to have an international reporting day here at the Sea Report, ah, back like in episode 150 through like, I don't know, 120 or I don't know. We did, we were doing international episodes one day a week um, sometime in the spring, fall of last year, I think. Fun episodes, but very, very tough to parse through, guys, you know, because again, you have to look for those code words. You have to realize, uh, you have to realize whom the loyalties of that uh, journalism or press or whatever media outlet, agency, etc., whom their loyalties lie with. You know, it's a little bit more difficult, I get it, but we're not going to run with headlines straight from the BBC or Al Jazeera or whatever. Now, 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 don't get me wrong, you know, we'll share those articles sometimes. Don't forget, guys, we shared an Al Jazeera story just the other night about the World Economic Forum, Davos, World Health Assembly, IHR, etc., and uh, clearly Al Jazeera is against, you know, um, uh, all of these um, uh, autocrats meeting in Davos. Like, they're like, we're not going to put up with this anymore. We don't want any of these people to meet uh, without regulation, with uh, this, this, this uh, overstuffed bureaucracy of unelected control. Uh, but they had their other agendas hidden in the article as well, guys. And so uh, had to quickly point those out. In regards to Algeria, what was it? Something like uh, we want uh, we want uh, an international list of uh, all the moneyed people, and we want um, uh, green initiatives everywhere. And you know, they had uh, like two or three different things stuck in that article, and it, it it was just to prop up the lefties out there, right? So the lefties would be, oh yeah, Al Jazeera, um, ah ba 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 right or whatever. So anyhow, guys. Uh, yeah, we'll be talk. We'll be catching up with Russia and Ukraine, guys, because uh, like I like I was going to say, I said right out of the gates, Putin needed to go in and get this operation done as quick as possible, because if he did not, then uh, well, that threatened itself, threatened the entire operation and the outcome of that operation, and and here we are, like what, three months later, four months later, almost actually. Two days will be uh, three full months, February to March, March to April. Yeah, two, in two more days, he went in on February 27th, right? Or was it the 24th, right? We're either a day removed or two days ahead, guys. I can't remember what date it was, but, you know, uh, he's still there, right? Still taking out those Nazis. And, and uh, so we're going to just catch up with that today, guys. 
We're going to catch up, catch you all up on what the sitch is in Ukraine with Russia's special military operation. Uh, because, of course, uh, throughout all of this time period, uh, we've had just, you know, the most uh, silliest headlines coming from Western-backed press, the legacy media. That's right. You know them. You hate them. And I use that word very loosely, right? The shame stream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile press. You know, guys, they just come up with these headlines, right? Uh, Putin is dying of uh, kidney failure and uh, everyone is turning on Putin. And I think it was, uh, I don't know, sometime in early March that uh, the entire world and every single economic stronghold backed by the West was saying what? Russia is going to go bankrupt. Russia is going to fall, economically speaking, because of illegitimate Joe's non-effective um, sanctions against the country. And, and here we are two, three months about later, and Russia still has not fallen, economically speaking, which really has uh, to cause one to wonder about this entire food shortage thing either, right? Well, I've always been one to contend, ladies and gentlemen, that there is no such thing as a food shortage, period. The only thing that is keeping food away from the starving or the hungry people, aside from location, right? Uh, would be uh, bureaucrats and red tape and, uh, let's face it, uh, corporations and businesses, right? I mean, if they really cared about people starving, uh, maybe they would just, I don't know, for a week, a day, a month, feed the people. I mean, just feed them. After all, they're going to be the ones that are going to be, uh, you know, uh, um, paying for your uh, salaries and uh, all of your products and manufacturing in the end, right? I mean, come on, right? There's enough food out there, guys, to feed the people, just as there's enough land out there to keep us from being overpopulated on this planet. But I guess those are topics for another day, ladies and gentlemen. Those are topics for another day. Thank you all again for tuning in as we get started. Now, tonight is, the, tonight is my short night, right, guys? I got to keep it down to two hours, okay? Because then I got to prep to head on over to uh, the Speak Uneasy so we can... Uh, Perform another episode, perform another episode, that's kind of weird, right? So that we can uh, participate in another episode of This Is News over at the Speak Uneasy's channel. If you guys have never heard of the Speak Uneasy, uh, you can catch him over at Foxhole Pilled, um, as well as uh, Twitch, and I think like on Facebook and Twitter as well. But uh, anyhow, anyhow, so got to keep it down to two hours, guys. Got to keep it down to two hours tonight. Um, uh, by way of quick um, housekeeping, please don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this broadcast, this live stream, you can also catch it in podcast format. Uh, and our audience is starting to rebuild itself over there after about, I don't know, about um, almost a month of um, stagnation. We were... All of our episodes were just like, they weren't erased, but uh, they were inaccessible. Uh, got that fixed. So uh, audience is back building over at the podcast. That's over at anchor.fm slash the C report, where you can get this very pod, this very live stream on podcast. We'll probably have it uploaded 
a little later tonight after uh, This Is News with the Speak Uneasy. And, uh, you know, actually, you know, uh, you can also check out This Is News at my Rumble page. So uh, make sure if you're watching on Rumble or if you have a Rumble account, go and suss out. Of course, that is with no pun intended to Michael Sussman. Suss out Mr. CTV on Rumble. Uh, really easy to find if you type in Mr. with the period, CTV, and uh, the C report. My stuff will pop up right away or just type in something really obscure that no one else talks about, but I put in the title, right? Like, I don't know, Maria Zach or Italy Gate, right? Or, uh, I don't know, uh, Tori Says or something. And, and you'll find, you'll find uh, the account there. But anyways, The Sea Report, that's anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. Uh, follow along, subscribe for free at your favorite podcast player. And again, I will use this word loosely. You hate them, but you know them. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Go Ogle Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Podbean, Stitcher, and a whole dozen other independent type of podcast platforms. You can take us on the go, ladies and gentlemen. Take us on the go. Make sure you also follow us over at Truth Social if you have a Truth Social what am I doing here? And uh, that's at MRCTV, Truth Social, at MRCTV. You can find Mr. CTV and The Sea Report. If you're wondering, if you're like new to the audience, why I say Mr. CTV, MRCTV, it's because I do other uh, I do other shows and live streams on this uh, channel. You know, we got uh, Sea in the Dark. We got uh, Lone Star News finally making its return. We uh, live stream um, or watch party, you know, uh, the Save America rallies, uh, Senate hearings, uh, you know, uh, commissioner hearings, uh, forensic audit reports. We do all of that here as well. You can find clips and actual hearings on the channel. So good stuff, guys. I think uh, I think entertaining, if not slightly and always as informative as possible. Right. Also available at Gab over at MR underscore CTV. If you're a Gabber mm -hmm, or you're a truther, you can find Mr. CTV and the C Report and myself, Mr. C there, uh, having fun behind my screens, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome on into the show, Disco Ball Chaser. Thank you for dropping the links in the chat room. Much appreciated. Skeeter Burke. Is currently stuffing her face. Got plenty of rain last night. Glad you are safe, Sean Joe. Good afternoon, good evening, and uh, thank you again, sir, for gifting the cookie to the show. Uh, you know, by way of support, guys, uh, over at the Foxhole, they have like this uh, pretty nifty, um, a su supportive uh, donation system. So if you ever hear me saying thank you for gifting the cookie, thank you for gifting a, the can. Or, or the ever-elusive fleet, or uh, what, what is that one, right, that's like a lot, right, the, uh, the um, uh, MP, EMP, right, the EMP, right, guys, uh, that's what I'm referring to, right, if I'm like, thank you for giving me some sunglasses, thank you for throwing the phone this way, and that's what I'm talking about, I mean, of course, you can also support um, Mr. CTV in other ways as well. If you appreciate the broadcasting, there is a, uh, a monthly or donation uh, ability or a, a monthly uh, subscription also available at the podcast over anchor.fm uh, slash the C report. So I actually thank 
any of our subscribers out there for, uh, you know, continuing to support the broadcast on the podcast side. It all goes to the same thing, guys. It keeps the lights on. And trust me, it's not uh, it's not always inexpensive to run a live stream like I do here, guys. Got the monthly reoccurring fees and the annual fees to keep the show going. So uh, any donations that come this way are greatly appreciated. I might as well just throw this in the mix. You know, we also accept Cash App. Uh, dollar sign M-A-C-X-5-X-5. If you have a Cash App, you can send donations this way. Uh, I had to, uh, to thank a couple of individuals, a uh, good friend Russ and a uh, good friend Mark for sending some donations in the last couple of weeks. Uh, also available at PayPal. Uh, PayPal, our address there is um, at M-A-C-X-99336. So, you know, uh, everything, every bit goes to keeping this broadcast on the air, right? And making sure I can turn the lights on. All right, this is what I do, guys. So I appreciate it, as always, ladies and gentlemen, for your support and for your um, generosity. Always, always. And what do we got here? Going. What is going on in the chat room? Hey, WC Crane Up, what's going on? Says, uh, uh, well, actually, first of all, thank you for gifting the go- the cookie. <laughs> WC Crane Up, railing on. Good to see you. Thank you for the 117 gold pills. And uh, Sean Joe just uh, tossed a few cookies my way, sir. Thank you for tossing your cookie, sir. <laughs> Most appreciated. Most appreciated. Now, WC Crane Up says... Um, what should have been uh, three, what should have been beautiful days, but they been hammering the skies, uh, MFers, and I don't spend much time outside while that's going on, right? Yeah, I mean, we had a uh, pretty heavy storms coming through Texas last night. WC Cranop, I hope you're safe in your neck of the woods. If not, at least uh, being denied nature, right? Uh, WC also says Russia has control of uh, the central bank in their country. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been saying that, guys, uh, since my days back at the Federal Reserve, right? No, I didn't work at the Federal Reserve, but I most definitely uh, talked a lot about that entity. You know, that's actually my theory, right? And uh, our, our, our audience is, um, is light enough. I don't think we have other content creators lurking in the bouts, right? But uh, uh, my, my working theory has always been this, guys. It's always been this. Obviously... If the globalists, the media, uh, you know, the uh, deep state politicians and all of their ilk uh, have assigned specific countries as our enemies, think about whether or not that country has sovereignty over itself, right? Think about Libya, right? What was Gaddafi doing? Now, we know he was a terrible murderer. We know he killed a lot of people. Um, But... In his later years, right, trying to reform, maybe turn over a leaf, building up northern Africa, uh, you know, disconnecting from the central banks, creating a gold-backed currency, right? Think about it, guys. Russia's the same. Russia's the same, just as W.C. Cranop points out in his comment, right? Who, what other countries are like that? Hmm, Assyria? Do you think Syria? Think Syria is tied to the central banks of uh, the Western influence? Eh, probably not, Right. Iraq? Iran? Well, I think Iraq is now, actually. Uh, But Iran, still not. Now, I'm not saying that they're not bad guys or bad people or bad actors. I'm just saying that's a pretty good motive for, uh, you know, the Western banks, the Western influences to want to just destroy those nations. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Just ask Kennedy, right? Just ask Kennedy. Ask Alexander Hamilton. Well, you know, why did I say Alexander Hamilton? That's just, um, that's just like, uh, where's my brain right now? Ask Andrew Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. Although Old Hickory, well, assassination attempts on his life, but uh, he's been the only president who has successfully unchained us from those moneyed interests. He was my favorite president up until Donald Trump. Anyhow, uh, W.C. Cranop's um, comment goes on to say, Russia has control of their central bank and no real national debt, lots of liquid assets, yet, yes, that's um, an unintentional pun. <laughs> lots of liquid assets there, W.C. Cranop. Lots of liquid assets, but yeah. Yeah, so that's always been my working theory as far as uh, nations that we're assigned to war with, guys. Always been my working theory. It's steady so far, that theory. It, it stands pretty steady, right? Stands pretty steady. So anyhow, guys, all right, now we got to jump into it. Of course, we will open with our customary President Trump truths before we jump into Mother Russia and her excursion against the Nazis, and that's Really what this is, you know, about, I mean, every single time Russia has been uh, accused of invading a country, right? Last I checked, Russia was still not occupying Georgia, right? Uh, last I checked, Russia was not uh, occupying Crimea, okay? Uh, so anyhow, anyhow, uh, let's get into our... Uh, I was going to say our Putin statements. Let's get into our Trump statements, our Trump truths for today. We only got about three to share with you. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. First one says, a very big and successful evening of political endorsements. All wins in Texas, 33 and 0 for full primary list. Arkansas and Alabama. A great new senatorial candidate and others in Georgia overall for the cycle. 100 wins, 6 losses, some of which were not possible to win, and 2 runoffs. Thank you, and congratulations to all. You know, so that's why, you know, we're taking a little bit of a break here, guys. You know, I mean, um, we're taking a little bit of a break by going into Russia today, guys. So breathe easy, guys. Because if you have any interest whatsoever, well, you're going to learn a few things tonight. Some pretty interesting points coming out of the Eastern Hemisphere. But yet, you know... We covered the primaries last night. The dust is still kind of settling. We'll get back into that tomorrow or Friday, right? And then, of course, uh, there's all this stuff with, uh, you know, this uh, shooting that occurred in Uvalde here in Texas. Speaking of which, President Trump has a few statements on that. So we'll go ahead and read those before I get off into my Uvalde shooter diatribe. Uh, and it goes this way. The first statement from President Trump, America needs real solutions and real leadership in this moment not politicians and partisanship. That's why I will keep my longtime commitment to speak in Texas at the NRA convention, the National Rifle Association convention, and deliver an important address to America. In the meantime, we all continue to pray for the victims, their families, and for our entire nation. We are all in this together. Quickly followed by uh, his first statement on the matter, goes like this. Uh, so hard to think or report about anything else after watching the Texas um, school massacre, which took place yesterday. 
Uh, thank you to the great wisdom and bravery of our law enforcement professionals and condolences to all who are suffering so gravely with the loss of those incredible souls so close to you. No words can express the sorrow and grief of this absolutely horrible event. It is a moment in time which will never be forgotten. And I would definitely have to agree with that, ladies and gentlemen, in that regard. And of course, we have all of these, uh, we have all of these um, political hacks exploitively attacking the Second Amendment and also um, innocent gun owners of America, lawful, law-abiding individuals, right? You know, I still cannot believe that people seem to think that uh, restricting guns or taking them away altogether will protect people. I mean, where's the logic in that, right? I guess that they think that criminals abide by the law as well. And uh, that's exactly why, um, you know, uh, we should take away the guns. Because if we take away the guns, there's no way that they're going to fast and furious them. <laughs> All the way down to Mexico, right? I mean, uh, criminals are going to get their hands on guns either way, ladies and gentlemen. I think people should learn that, right? So yeah, we could we could have gone off into that uh, that one idiot, um, a Democrat that uh, attacked Cruz. I mean, you know, I could I could really care less that he attacked Cruz, but you know the logic, right? And then again, the emotion, ladies and gentlemen, the emotion behind that illogical rant or I guess a uh, uh, fiery attack. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, Schumer trying to do his gun stuff and etc. You know, uh, so Dana Loesch had some good points on that matter. You know, questions that we should ask, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, how and when did he get his guns? You know, what was going on in his home? Nobody knew what was going on. And she had like several other other very, very uh, thought-provoking questions. I think things that people who wanted to not ask only what happened, but also are seeking a solution to these problems would consider instead of just trying to uh, strip away everyone's right to bear arms, okay? Very exploitive, very exploitive, guys. And I think you all would agree with that. You know, and it, it, it is true, guys, it does hit close to home, you know? I mean, I, are, I know two people, keeping, keeping in mind that I am in a city just west of Uvalde. Uh, two people I know already found out last night that they uh, respectively lost a niece and a nephew. Um, so yeah, it does hit close to home, guys. It does hit close to home. And uh, talking, speaking of distractions, right? You know, um, when so many other things are going on, they don't want people to think about Davos. They don't want people to think about 2000 Mules and election integrity. And I'm not saying that that was the impetus of this tragedy, not not by any means whatsoever. In fact, could have reported on all of the uh, updated information on the shooter and apparently uh, the tortured life that he experienced as um, I, he was just bullied and a mess and um, negatively charged and hate-filled. Ladies and gentlemen, at least that's the way it seems, you know. And, you know, actually, WC was messaging me earlier about the matter uh, and, and asked if I thought that this could be a possible false flag, right? And, you know, I just, uh, I mean, for one, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that it is by any means that, guys. Um, I don't think it is, you know, but at the same time, there hasn't been enough on the ground reporting into the entire matter, guys. Don't even get off on the whole Sandy Hook thing, right? We all know what Sandy Hook did, okay? 
So, you know, my answer at this point would be, no, it's not a false flag. It seems that this was a genuine tragedy and just something that's unconscionable. But, but with all of this uh, exploitation of the uh, Second Amendment rights and standing against it by all of these political operatives and, you know, legacy media hacks, etc., um, it's uh, it's almost as if, though, they would like shows like this to take the false flag stance, right? They would like shows like this to say, oh, it wasn't real, right? So be conscious of that. Ladies and gentlemen of this audience, fellow patriots, other awake Americans, other content creators, you know, um, they may want us to go off on that tangent. They may want us to dig down that rabbit hole just so they can discredit us and make us look like, uh, these guys think that this was fake, right? 18, 19 children, two teachers, and a, a, a grandmother in critically con- critical condition, and, and uh, these, these Trumpers, right, or these, these uh, right-wing extremists think that this is fake? Well, we are... Uh, no more fake than Beto O'Rourke, right? Okay, we're not even going to talk about that moron, okay? Because Beto is just... He's like, I'm going to take your AK AR-15 now, right? And your AK-47 or whatever. <laughs> whatever, Beto, okay? Take a seat, Beto. You, like share need to take a seat. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, here we go. Let's get into our um, Russian special military operation in Ukraine updates for tonight. Uh, and, and, and real quick, real quick, I see a bunch of you guys are jumping into the chat room. Thank you for the 159 gold pills, sir. The number sets up uh, the number set ups there. All right. Uh, cannot see that number from my uh, perspective, but I appreciate you so much. Um, what else do we got? Who else is, uh, Awakened Mom is here. Good evening, Awakened Mom. How are you doing? Awakened Mom says, uh, Mr. C, every nation that we slash the deep state that has gone into with war, we're all countries not interested in getting in the Federal Reserve. Yes, I'm so glad all of you guys see it my way, right? I'm so glad. <laughs> Disco Ball Chaser says, Mr. C, you have poutine on the brain? <laughs> No, I don't have poutine on the brain, but I might have potatoes and gravy for a brain. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, what universe are you in now? That's right. Earlier I was in Libya. Well, you know, uh, you know, those auto corrupts, ladies and gentlemen, you guys know about the auto corrupt, right? (laughs) Hey, Deplore Laura, how's it going on? Uh, Good to see you over there in the Twitch chat. Thank you for uh, bringing your light into the room. W.C. Cranoff says, Iraq and beyond, true statement at Awaken Mom before that for different deep state objectives, right? Like regime change, like to get the political advantage, like to destroy countries, right? Indeed, W.C. Cranoff and Awaken Mom are making very fine points this afternoon. Skeeterberg says, when I see a gun-free zone sign, I want to fill it with a buckshot, Right? You know, and that's the thing about it, this, you know, uh, you know, maybe we should go on the uh, the defense, offense, I don't know how that works, you know, and start talking about getting our teachers trained and armed or, you know, having actual, uh, actual, you know, 
Um, law enforcement there of some type. Some schools have it already, right? What are we talking about? Lori Lightfoot Chicago here or what? No, but you know, uh, we actually just shared an article on this last episode of Lone Star News that talked about a school district in the San Antonio area that the people of that town voted to enable teachers to carry in order to protect their children. Now, I don't think it's exploitive at all to raise that and put it on the table in light of this tragedy, because after all, we're talking about a town that is closer to Uvalde than San Antonio, ladies and gentlemen, where that measure was passed by the citizens of that township, you know? So I think that should absolutely be a conversation piece right now for for all of us guys. If we're going to if we're going to go at this at any angle, I would refer you to the Breitbart article about Lavernia, Texas and the independent school district where the people voted to enable um their teachers to carry uh and to uh be able to defend themselves right? That's the angle we should be going with, guys. That is definitely the angle we should be going with. Uh, let's see here before we get into. All right, guys, you guys are uh, having a blast in the chat room. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right. Glad you guys could join us this evening. All right. I'm going to try and make this short and sweet. I've got a lot of updates about the Russia special military operation in Ukraine and a couple of videos to share. Let's see if I get out of here by nine o'clock. Latest 930. Okay. Anyways. All right. So again, guys, uh, we had um, um, Putin and the armed forces of Russia going into Ukraine. I still have people who leave comments on my channels particularly on specific channels, right, on uh, specific platforms that are like, you're an idiot. Don't you know that Putin is the enemy of freedom? And I'm like, really? Like, don't you understand that Putin is the enemy of the globalist, deep state, Illuminati, new world, Nazi world order? Like, you haven't figured that out yet? Like, what century are you in, right? What timeline are you in, right? What universe are you in when you haven't figured that out? I mean... If they weren't just shooting their mouth off and they were actually like leftist liberals, they would have already known about the Nazis in Ukraine because all of their publications talked about it for years up until Putin went into Russia. And then, I mean, Putin went into Ukraine and then all of a sudden there's no such thing as Nazis, right? Anyhow, so that's what this has been all about. Well, it hasn't been just about the denazification and the demilitarization of Ukraine. It has been about... Ending, stopping, halting the genocide that was happening in the Luhansk and the Donetsk um, People's Republics, as they are now referred to, um, otherwise known as the Donbass region in Ukraine, okay, for eight years. And I really, 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 guys, I really wanted to do a Donbass retrospective tonight, but we don't have the time. So maybe in a future episode, we'll walk down the path of what are known as the martyrs of the Donbass, right? All of the people who said, we don't want to be a part of Ukraine. We don't want to be part of the European Union. We don't want to be part of NATO. And we don't want to be run by a bunch of Nazis embedded in the government of Ukraine. And they are, guys. Uh, Whether or not you choose to believe it, they're still there, you know? They're still there. Whether you believe it or not, right? They are there. You know, it, it all started 
with the um, the um, Nazi battalions becoming part of their National Guard and their military. And it just went crazy from there, y'all. It just went crazy from there, right? Like, we're talking, like, neo-Nazi, Nazi, extreme right-wing, ultra-nationalist, or f- extreme left-wing. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing once you get that far on the spectrum, right? Um, who are leaders of political parties... Who even people like Victoria Newland, that's right, Victoria Newland, as well as the former uh, Ukraine ambassador, um, who is a uh, Pyatt, Stephen Pyatt, or some, something Pyatt, Ambassador Pyatt, right? That they 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 um, game planned having their man in after the Maidan coup to be talking with these ultra nationalist Nazi political leaders. As his wingman, they're like, well, he'll need to talk with this guy and that guy for sure. And they'll have to be his wingman through all of this. That's right, guys. That's right. Victoria Newland, she should be right there alongside with Jocelyn Benson as far as the treason charges go, right? And the crimes against humanity uh, and the war crimes as well. Because she wargamed that entire thing, guys, pretty much, right? So uh, it's been about freeing the people of the Donbass region, ladies and gentlemen, from the genocide because they didn't want to be part of Ukraine. You know, uh, Ukraine decided to pull a Georgia South Ossetia move, Ossetia move, move there and just started killing the people for eight, the last eight years. We've had, uh, we've had, um, people from the Donbass region being killed. And, and, you know, it's not even by the Ukrainian military. It's by their Nazi affiliates, right? Uh, well, I, I, it is their military, but not only that, you know, bring in war, war, war hogs and bring in, you know, people with just a thirst for blood and death and mercenaries hiring. You know, we have firms from America here, guys, who are fighting for Ukraine, right? That's why I think, and I'll just say this real quick, I think that any of these, uh, these, these military firms, right? These, these extra military types of operations should be illegal, right? Any of these consulting agencies, they should all be illegal. They should be ended. They should not be allowed to exist, right? You know, other than the militia, right? There should not be some uber extra military operating, you know, uh, a firm or company or whatever it is, right? Should not exist. Should not exist. Period. They should be totally outlawed. They should be totally illegal. Because then you have them because they're getting paid going over there to support the Nazis. I wonder if they feel like damn fools, right? When they're over there fighting with the Azov Battalion and they realize that they're Nazis because they got white power tattooed on their shoulders and their calves. It's for real, guys. It is real. We've shown you guys the footage. Wonder what they think about. I mean, you know, I wonder if they have to question. I wonder if they have that type of moral integrity. Okay, I'm getting off onto too many soapboxes here, guys. Uh, All right, so uh, let's see. What's the first story we got to share with you? Who's this man? That is Lavrov, ladies and gentlemen. Lavrov. He's like uh, their Ministry of Defense dude, okay? And, uh, well, you know, quick update. Recently uh, discovered or announced that uh, in addition to... Uh, the sanctions on um, uh, United States citizens as per going into Russia, right? Who who do we ban? Victoria Newland, Biden, Kamala Harris, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Jake Sullivan. Well, it looks like uh, they've added 963 additional Americans to that list. They can no longer enter into Russia. Let's see what the article has to say. Russia permanently bans 963 Americans from entering the country. Russia has permanently banned 963 Americans, right? I feel like I'm getting a little bit repetitive here. From entering into the country in retaliation for the United States sanctions over Moscow's invasion of Ukraine, the Russian Foreign Ministry on May 21st published an updated list of United States citizens subject to its travel sanctions. The move comes as a response after the United States and allies imposed sanctions on Russia over its February 24th invasion. Again, this is Epoch Times. Of course, they still call it an invasion. Come on, you haven't figured out it's a military operation by now, Epoch Times? Really? Anyhow. I thought you guys were against communism. Anyways, the list includes previously announced individuals, including illegitimate Joe, Hills Up Harris, um, Phony, Anthony Blinken, uh, Darth Lloyd Austin, Joint Chiefs of Staffs, uh, uh, Mark Victoria Milley, and um, William Mr. Burns, CIA director. Also on the list are others, uh, other members of Biden's administration and hundreds of Democrats and Republican lawmakers in both the House and the Senate. Oh, diggity. Former lawmakers and officials, as well as business executives, journalists, and others are also banned from Russia. They include former Secretary of State, Secretary of Snakes, Hillary Clinton, Biden's son, Hunter Biden, Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, and billionaire investor, George Soros. Actors Morgan Freeman and Rob Reiner also made the list. <laughs> the two have worked to support a nonprofit group founded in 2017 called the Committee to Investigate Russia, which seeks to counter Russian interference in U.S. elections, right? I guess uh, they're just sitting over there twiddling their thumbs, right? Rob Reiner was probably sucking on his thumb, actually after he sticks it in God knows how many orifices. And uh, what, do, what do they got to do over there, right? Probably not a whole lot going on on that front, you know? Probably not a whole lot at all. Anyhow, that's what Reiner and Freeman were up to. Reiner is on its advisory board while Freeman had spoken in a video produced by the group that year, which referenced alleged Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. I wonder if a Freeman's going to be like, uh, I'm sorry, folks, but I was just acting now that it's all been proven to have been false. Like, I don't know, about two or three years ago. Anyhow, we emphasize that the hostile actions taken by Washington, which boomerang against the United States itself, will continue to receive a proper rebuff, Russian foreign minister ministry said in a statement that was the Lavrov guy right? Accompanying the updated list, the ministry said that Russia's travel sanctions are a necessary response to the United States sanctions and are aimed at forcing the ruling American regime, which is trying to impose a neo-colonial rules-based world order on the rest of the world to change its behavior, recognizing new geopolitical realities. Russia does not seek confrontation and is open to honest, mutually respectful dialogue, separating the American people who are always respected by us from the United States authorities who incite Russophobia and those who serve them. It is these people who are included in the Russian blacklist. Biden, on May 21st, signed legislation announcing another $40 billion in aid to Ukraine, which is inevitably going to go to what? It is going to go towards arming the Nazis in Ukraine. As uh, prostitute Zelensky cries for more money, 
The Russian Foreign Ministry also said it added 26 names to its list of Canadians banned from entering Russia. The names included defense chiefs, defense industry executives, and Sophie Grégoire Trudeau, the wife of Prime Minister um, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Her name is probably Greg, and his name is probably Justine Russia has also banned Jocelyn Paul, Eric Kenny, and Angus Topshi, who were named last month as the new heads of the Canadian Army, Air Force, and Navy, respectively, and executives of companies including Lockheed Martin Canada and Raytheon Canada. The new list was published four days after Canada introduced legislation that will ban President Vladimir Putin and about 1,000 members of his government and military from traveling to Canada. In response to sanctions, Russia had already banned Trudeau, Finance Minister Christia Freeland, and hundreds of other Canadians from entering the country. Pretty interesting update there. The sanctions wars continue, guys, but uh, we're not done yet. Here's another interesting story. Was Putin almost assassinated? According to every single legacy media MSM uh, um outfit yeah he's apparently he's been almost uh, assassinated like 5000 times since this whole thing started and apparently he's dying and apparently he's in ill health and apparently uh his heart his kidney his pancreas and his and other vital organs are giving out and apparently everyone's poisoning him etc 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 right uh psychological operations guys you know got to uh got to dampen the morale Let's see what this article says. It says, uh, Putin survived recent assassination attempt, intelligence official said. Uh, who's intelligence, right? And are they really intelligent? Russian President Vladimir Putin survived a recent assassination attempt that was not reported by the Kremlin, claimed Ukraine's intelligence chief in a new interview. Probably because it was Ukraine intelligence that was trying to assassinate him, I don't doubt. Uh, Kirilo Budanov, Budinov, the chief of Ukraine's defense ministry's main intelligence directorate, made the allegation to Ukraine Pravda while providing a few details. He said the incident took place while Putin was in the Caucasus region just days after the invasion of Ukraine on February 24th. There were attempts to kill Putin, Budinov said. There was an assassination attempt recently by, as they call it, representatives of the Caucasus. This was not in the public domain, a completely failed attempt, but it really did happen about two months ago. Once again, the would-be assassin was unsuccessful, he added. There is no publicity about this event, but it took place, right? Oh yeah, we definitely believe you, Budinov. The Kremlin has not issued a public comment after Budinov's allegations. The Epoch Times could not immediately verify the official's claims and has contacted Russia's Ministry of Defense for comment. Well, we'll see if you get a response to that. After all, you still call it an invasion. Uh, Budinov did not provide any more details and it was not clear if he was referring to Russia's Caucasus region or the Caucasus region that includes Georgia, Azerbaijan and Armenia. An interview with Budinov will be aired Tuesday, according to Ukraine Pravda. Earlier this month, Budinov told Sky News that he is optimistic about rebuffing Russia by mid-August, claiming that it will lead to a change in Russia's leadership. It will eventually lead to the change of leadership of the Russian Federation, Budinov told the outlet. This process has been already launched and they are moving into that way. 
While speaking to director Oliver Stone in 2017, Putin said that he's survived five assassination attempts since he became the leader of Russia. At the time, the Russian president asserted that he was not worried about his safety. Also on Monday, Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin said that some 20 countries had announced new security assistance packages to Ukraine during a virtual meeting with allies on Monday that aimed at coordinating arms for Kiev with little prostitute Zelensky crying for money. Uh, The countries that announced new packages include Italy, Denmark, Greece, Norway, and Poland. Darth Austin told reporters following a meeting of uh, a meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group, Denmark would provide a harpoon launcher, and of course Denmark's going to give him a harpoon launcher, right? Anyways, and missiles to defend Ukraine's coast, Austin said. All right, I don't I don't give a hoot about whatever else Darth Austin had to say, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see where this uh, special military operation is taking aim now, okay? You know, Marpol has been in the headlines a lot recently, guys. And again, I wanted to go into a debunked section for today's episode, but again, we just don't have the time tonight. So we'll do a debunked um, segment probably in a future show coming up soon, right? Because if I take any longer, this uh, special military operation will be over, right? Uh, Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, so Marpol's been in the news a lot recently, guys. Marpol happened, um, well, I mean, I, I guess it's still been occurring, right? Um, if you uh, recognize the names like Sevastopol, of course, we're talking about that, what, that refinery plant or whatever, that chemical plant, whatever it was, uh, that is in Marpol. And that is the reason why Marpol has been in the headlines a lot. Marpol really was um, a stronghold for the um, ultra-nationalist um, regimes in um, Ukraine, guys, uh, over there, Maripol, Sevastopol, etc. Uh, again, um, I wish I could offer you more information. Uh, needless to say, um, uh, thousands of Ukrainian Nazis have surrendered to Russia in Maripol, specifically in regards to Sevastopol. Actually, I got a video coming up here in a minute that will address that from Putin himself. Um, But where we're at now is, uh, for some time now, at least since the end of April, uh, we've had Russian forces focusing on the Donbass region. That's right. Once again, the Donetsk and the Luhansk People's Republics, respectively, and getting all the Nazis out of there, guys. Now, you know, talking about this special military operation, I will reiterate again we had a buildup of Russian forces on the Ukrainian border. In truth, he was over 100 miles from the border at the time of this uh, um, sensationalistic, um, alarmist, um, you know, uh, uh, wolf crying. And, uh, you know, he, uh, it was assumed that he was going to go in and fight in the Luhansk and the Donetsk region, in the Donbass, right? And probably limit his fighting, just like he did in South Ossetia with Georgia, right, to that region in order to uh, uh, free the people of the Donbass, to end the genocide, just like he did in South Ossetia with Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, they were not expecting Putin to go all the way into Kiev and all the way clear across Ukraine to get rid of the Nazis. Yeah, that's, that's good strategy there, because after all, 
you're going to end up with Ukraine saying, oh, the Donbass is our region. We don't recognize the sovereignty of the people's uh, republics of Luhansk and Donetsk. We don't care if they had a referendum. We don't care. This is our region. This is Ukraine. Nine, nine, nine. I am Zelensky. Nine. Zig Heil, says Zelensky, right? And then he throws up a stiletto and does a backflip death drop for all of his Johns, okay? So, uh, you know, clearly, clearly Ukraine still would have been there with their Nazis, still would have been shelling and bombing and killing people in the Donbass. So uh, Putin said, well, we're just going to demilitarize and we're just going to denazify this here land and uh, this here uh, gateway to Russia, right, to the east. And, uh, well, you ain't going to do nothing about it, right? And clearly they haven't. Clearly they haven't, ladies and gentlemen, because, uh, well, we still got prostitute Zelensky crying for more money. He's right. All right. I was in five of your beds last night. Shell it over. Anyhow, so uh, the Donbass region is where Russia has really been focusing all of their efforts at this point. Uh, they left, uh, I think, the equivalent of a battalion or two, 2,000 soldiers in Maripol to handle Sevastopol, right? And to get rid of those Nazis and free those people. That's right. The people of Ukraine who've been used as human shields by the Nazis, right? Right on par with... Uh, with terrorists like, uh, you know, ISIS, etc. Uh, but uh, so that's where they've been, guys. That's where they've been. We got uh, an article here. Russian forces have focused their efforts on attacking and capturing the city of Severodonetsk. Donetsk. Severodonetsk. I'm doing my best here with the pronunciation, ladies and gentlemen, in the Donbass region of Ukraine. The article says... Now, this is a legacy media article, guys, so it's going to have some bias. Beware. It says Ukraine local officials said Wednesday that uh, uh, Russia's uh, focusing on Severodonetsk. Uh, Siri Haidai, head of the regional military administration in Luhansk province, said Severodonetsk is the last major city in the province not already under Russian control. Luhansk and Donetsk provinces, or People's Republics now, their sovereign entities, make up the greater Donbass region, which Russia recognizes as separate from Ukraine, right? Severodonetsk, Severodonetsk is barely alive, Haiti or Heidi, Heide told the New York Times they are killing our cities, destroying everything. He said a bombing Tuesday killed six people in Severodonetsk. Meanwhile, a Russian strike on the nearby town of Kramatorsk destroyed an apartment building. Okay, that's the other one, guys, that I was trying to remember. Now I'm going to reset my clock here. Just give me a second. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net.
and we'll talk about Kramatorsk because uh, if you guys remember the last report that we did here about Russia and Ukraine, we debunked the Kramatorsk bombing, right? So we got Marpol, we got Bucha, and we got Kramatorsk, where the Nazi regime Ukrainians themselves attacked their own people, shell, they bombed a freaking train station with a missile, and then they made sure to put in Russian writing um, um, uh, love from Russia on the stupid missile, because that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, the Russians are the ones who did it, right? Because there's Russian writing on it. I mean, come on. Really? Really, Zelensky? Really, Jake Sullivan? Who else is, who else is, uh, who else is, um, um, quarterbacking this stuff here right guys who else is quarterbacking this stuff right same thing with uh with uh blowing up the hospital and the uh the infirmary and and you know the the infant zone or the baby place right um oh yeah yeah it was definitely uh russia that did that well we figured that was also a lie right on the part of the western media as well as those who are uh managing this entire uh, this entire um, 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 battlefront, ladies and gentlemen. And then, of course, Bucha, the massacre of Bucha and the mayor and it, their their family. Yeah, that, again, also debunked, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, it's interesting how they continue their lies, right? Russia, 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 right? Impeach, 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 right? Collusion, collusion, collusion. They just keep on repeating it as if though no one else knows what's going on out there. It says uh, Russian forces are seeking to gain greater control of eastern Ukraine to create an overlord route to the Crimea uh, overland route to the Crimea Peninsula, which Russia annexed. And really, how do they figure that? How do they figure that uh, Putin's just trying to create a little pathway to Crimea, and that's what he wants the Donbass region for? Really, really? I mean, come on, seriously. Um, Heydai, or Heyday, warned, though, that Luhansk has not been completely cut off, the BBC reported. He said the Ukrainian forces are attempting to prevent Russia from capturing the road to Bakhmut, which would allow Russia to surround Severodonetsk. As of now, Heyday said humanitarian aid still was getting through to the city. No thanks to the Ukrainian Nazis, right? Some 15,000 civilians remain there. Haide accused Russia of attacking civilian infrastructure in Severodonetsk. They can't take the city, so they have decided to try to destroy it and to make our troops leave the city. Really? We've seen in all three other scenarios that it was, in fact, the Nazis who were shelling their own cities. I mean, uh, it's been stated as a fact. It's been debunked. It's been reported. And we got eyes on the ground over there, guys. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. The Institute for the Study of War think tank in Washington, D.C. said Wednesday that Moscow most likely plans to make smaller gains in the east. Russian forces have likely abandoned efforts to complete a single large encirclement of Ukrainian forces in eastern Ukraine and are instead attempting to secure smaller encirclements, enabling them to make incremental measured gains. Oh, really? You think so? Study of War Institute? In an update Wednesday, the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights said 3,974 civilians have been killed and 4,654 injured since the start of the fighting in February. Of course, they're not putting any of that account 
onto uh, the Ukrainian tab, right? Most of the casualties were caused by explosive weapons with a wide impact area. All right. So, so saith the legacy media about that situation. Who is this? Uh, who's this nutter butter on the screen? This is, um, oh, whoops. I seem to have gotten uh, my, where are you at? Huh? Sorry, I'm looking for my little banner here to put up for you guys to see the correct, here it is. That's the one we're looking for. This nutter butter on the screen, that is Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, okay? Now, he's going to explain why Russia has slowed down in the Donbass region, and he's also going to explain uh, what the uh, Institute of War thought there uh, says about um, t making smaller gains. Uh, is that really what's going on? Are you really paying attention to anything? Institute of War thought criminals? Think tank. It goes this way. Moscow explains Ukraine operation slowdown. So this is this is as of uh, today or yesterday, guys. So this is of timeliness. We're not talking about Kiev anymore. We're not talking about uh, uh, any of the other regions, Lviv or anything like that. It says the slowdown of Russia's military operation in Ukraine is intentional with a view of, to evacuating the population and avoiding casualties among civilians. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu insisted on Tuesday, Russia's armed forces are creating humanitarian corridors and announcing ceasefires to ensure the safe evacuation of residents from encircled settlements. He explained, despite this approach, stalling the progress of the country's forces. Um, let's see here. Um, Shoigu explained, of course, this slows down the pace of the offensive, but it is being done deliberately to avoid civilian casualties. Unlike the armed forces of Ukraine, Shoigu outlined, Russian troops are not carrying out strikes on civilian infrastructure where there may be people nearby. Instead, identified firing positions and Ukrainian military facilities are being hit with high precision weapons. The defense minister also claimed that Western countries, fearing the defeat of Kiev's forces, are expediting shipments of lethal aid to Ukraine and are sending additional military advisors and personnel from private military companies, adding that the number of foreign mercenaries in the country has already exceeded 6,000. And uh, that statement actually back up, backs up a statement from Zelensky that said there's like 7,000 7, some odd members of their armed forces. You know, you know what this article just reminds me of, guys, something I never got to share with you all. When he's saying that Western countries are sending in um, uh, military advisors. Let, let me see if I can't, you know, uh, here I go, guys, going down a rabbit hole. But, you know, it's, it was an, it's, it's information worth sharing, I think. Um, let's see here. Um, U.S. Canadian uh, military officials found in Maripol. Well, we'll put a, 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 what was it called? Avestable? I already forgot what it's called. Uh, Avestol. As, as, as Azavestol. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm having a brain fart. Okay. Uh, let me see if we can't figure out this article. Um, maybe I should put Marpole. 
in there. Uh, got got an article right here at the top. I'm just going to read off. Although not officially confirmed by Moscow, some Russian media outlets report a Canadian general, uh, Trevor Kudeau, um, has been captured by the Russians in Azovstal. And that's that's what I'm missing there, Azovstal. So yeah, no, and apparently it was not just Canadian. It was also... It was also uh, um, some American, some British. Um, I have a stall. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff. U.S. General Eric Olson did not surrender in Kiev. What, was he killed? <laughs> oh, that's a fact checker. Anyways, okay. Give me some time, guys, and I will circle back on this story. Okay. Um, but, uh, definitely, uh, something worth looking into and, and why aren't these people being held to account? I might ask, and I might add in that regard, right? Okay. So let's finish with this article about Shoigu and his, uh, comments. However, despite punitive sanctions on Moscow and the extensive help provided to Kiev by the West, Shoigu maintains that Russia will continue its special operation until all its objectives are achieved. Um, he again insisted that the current situation in Ukraine was the result of the West refusing to take into account Russia's proposals to resolve key issues regarding its national security concerns, which included the cessation of NATO's expansion to the east and the non-deployment of strike weapons near Russia's borders. Everything was done exactly the other way around. The United States set a course for the complete dismantling of the existing international security architecture, accompanying it with the global deployment of an anti-missile defense system and the development of medium-range and shorter-range missile systems, he said, adding that NATO was right on Russia's doorstep and had significantly increased its combat potential. Shoigu also noted that the United States-led bloc had in intensified its efforts to get Ukraine to join and deployed coalition military infrastructure on its territory and turned the country hostile against Moscow. Russia attacked its name. Okay, we don't need we don't need the catch up. We already know what's going on there. So there you go. The Kremlin has since demanded that Ukraine officially declare itself a neutral country that will never join the U.S.-led NATO military bloc. Kiev insists the Russian offensive was completely unprovoked and has denied claims it was planning to retake the two republics by force. Even though we found out that there was intelligence that showed. Ukraine was about to take a major offensive into the Donbass to just probably kill everybody, right? All right, there is Lavrov. Lavrov, again, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what um, is going on with him. Lavrov, I guess would be the easier way to say it. Lavrov talks strategy. Let's see what's going on in this regard. He explains Russia's geopolitical strategy, talking about the Minsk protocols and also Ukraine's refusal to um, comply with them. Uh, Moscow specs increased economic cooperation with China as the West takes a more dictatorial stance in global affairs. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, or Lavrov, yeah, I said it right, Lavrov, warned on Monday. Russia intends to build relations with independent countries and will decide how to deal with the West if and when it comes to its senses, he added. Lavrov told students at the Primakov School, which is an elite Moscow educational institution named after one of his predecessors, that now that the West is taking the position of a dictator, our economic ties with China will grow even faster.
In addition to direct income to the treasury, this will give us the opportunity to implement plans for the development of the Far East and Eastern Siberia, he added. The majority of projects with China are concentrated there. There is an opportunity for us to realize our potential in the field of high technology, including nuclear energy, but also in a number of other areas. Addressing the ongoing turmoil in Ukraine, Lavrov said the, that Moscow had tried to resolve the Donbass crisis by having Kiev implement the Minsk Protocol, but the West only pretended to care about the talks and instead encouraged the arrogant position of the Kiev regime. Now the West is reacting furiously to Russia, defending its absolutely legitimate fundamental interests, Lavrov said. Western leaders shout slogans and declare they must defeat Russia or make Russia lose on the battlefield without understanding the history or nature of Russia, he added. They must have done poorly in school, said Lavrov. I am convinced this will eventually end. The West will eventually recognize reality on the ground. It will be forced to admit that it can't constantly attack the vital interests of Russia or Russians wherever they live with impunity. I don't know, Lavrov. I don't know if the West will eventually recognize reality. If and when, I think the people of the West need to uh, hold their uh, leaders accountable and maybe then they'll realize it, right? If and when the West can, comes to its senses and wants to offer something in terms of resuming relations, Russia will seriously consider whether we will need it or not, the foreign minister told the high schoolers. Moscow is not just implementing a strategy of import substitution in response to anti-Russian sanctions, but must stop in any way being dependent on the supply of anything from the West and rely on its own capabilities and those countries that have proven their reliability and act independently, Lavrov explained. Very interesting, huh? Very interesting. All right. Uh, uh, I think they call that isolationism, isolationalism, right? He's an isolationist. Is that what Putin has become? I don't know. Let's find out in this... Um, Interesting conversation between Putin and um, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and uh, if you're paying attention, you know, Putin will tell you everything about the Minsk protocols. He'll tell you about the genocide in the Donbass. He'll tell you about what's really going on in Maripol with Azov. As of stall. I don't know why I cannot pronounce that name right now. Anyways, okay. So, um, oh, so let's get it rolling, guys, because our time is a short, and oh, we're doing good on time. But still, you know, this is gonna, this is it's it's interesting enough to include, guys. So let's go ahead and give it a gander. Can you hear the translation? Is everything okay? Perfect, Mr. President. Esteemed uh, Mr. Secretary General, I'm very happy to see you. As uh, one of the countries, uh, founding members of the United Nations and a permanent member of the UN Security Council, Russia has always uh, supported this universal organization. And we believe that uh, it is not just a universal organization, but a, a unique organization in its way. There is no other organization such as this in the international community, and we support in all ways uh, the principles uh, 
uh, it's based on and we'll continue to do that. Uh, to us, uh, it sounds very strange, uh, the statements of some of our colleagues uh, when they talk about uh, the rule-based world. We believe that the main rules uh, are the UN uh, Charter and other documents adopted by this organization and not some papers uh, written by somebody to uh, reflect their interests. We were also surprised uh, uh, when we heard uh, some of our colleagues' statements that uh, some uh, in the world uh, uh, claim uh, some exclusive rights because the UN Charter says that uh, all the participants in the international communications are equal irrespective of their might and size and their geographical situation. I think that uh, this is the same as uh, what uh, uh, is written in our Bible. All people are equal. Uh, this is, uh, we will probably find the same in the Quran and Torah. All people are equal under God. That's why it sounds very strange, uh, those ideas that some uh, pretend uh, or claim some exclusivity. We are living in a difficult world, in a complicated world. That's why we see uh, we have what we have. We are working with everybody. And, uh, of course, the United Nations was uh, created uh, at the time uh, following a crisis. It's gone through different periods in its development. And just several years ago, we heard that it's outdated, uh, that it's not necessary. It was. Uh, it happened at the time when it was in somebody's way. Uh, it stood in the way of some countries who wanted to achieve some place on the world arena. So we've heard there, there are no other organizations like the UN, and we have to value it because it was created after the Second World War to solve uh, such conflicts. So we know that you're concerned uh, on the subject of uh, Russia conducting a military operation in Donbass and Ukraine. I think that this will be at the basis of our conversation today. In this connection, I wanted to note that that uh, the whole problem uh, uh, emerged uh, after the, uh, the coup uh, in 2014. This is an obvious fact. You can call it anything you want, and you can call any preferences or opinions about people who were involved, but that was an anti-constitutional putsch. And after that, uh, the situation emerged with the will uh, of the residents of Crimea and Sevastopol, who acted uh, effectively in the same way as uh, people who lived uh, and, and who live in Kosovo did. They decided to become independent and then they approached us and asked us uh, to join the Russian Federation. The only difference was that in Kosovo such a decision on sovereignty was uh, adopted by the parliament. But in Crimea and Sevastopol, it was uh, taken on a national referendum. The same problem uh, was at the, in the east of Ukraine, where the residents of two territories, at least two territories, uh, the constituent parts of Ukraine, uh, didn't agree with the results of the the coup d'etat. But they found themselves under pressure including uh, through the use uh, of uh, military force, including um, 
uh, warplanes and heavy military equipment. This is how the crisis in uh, Donbass began in the southeast of Ukraine, as we know. After another attempt by the Kiev authorities to solve this problem through military means, we signed agreements in Minsk. They were called the Minsk Agreements. That was an attempt to settle the situation through peaceful means in Donbass. Unfortunately for us, in the course of eight years, the people who lived there were blockaded. The Kiev authorities publicly announced that they would organize a blockade of those territory. They were not embarrassed to say that it was a blockade, even though initially they uh, rejected that they were doing that, and they continued military pressure. In those conditions, uh, after the Kiev authorities effectively, publicly, and I want to stress this, publicly through the their, uh, first uh, officials uh, that they didn't uh, intend to comply with those Minsk uh, agreements uh, to prevent the genocide of those people. We had to declare those uh, states as independent. It was uh, forced. We had to do that to stop the suffering of people who lived in those territories. But our colleagues in the West preferred to ignore this. And after we recognized their independence, they turned to us with the request to provide military assistance to them because uh, they were subjected to military aggression. And um, under Article 50, one point seven of the United Nations Charter, we had to do this, and we launched a special military operation. I would like, like to inform you that despite uh, the fact that uh, there is a military operation underway, we still expect and hope that we will be able to achieve agreements uh, through uh, a diplomatic uh, channel. We are conducting in negotiations with and uh, in Istanbul at the talks in Istanbul and you've just been there I've I spoke to Erdogan, President Erdogan today that uh, you managed to um, achieve a, a serious breakthrough because uh, the requirements of uh, international security of Ukraine our Ukrainian colleagues uh, didn't uh, linked them with such a concept as internationally recognized borders of Ukraine. They brought uh, Crimea, Sevastopol, and um, the newly recognized uh, republics of Donbass, they made certain provisos there. But unfortunately, after the achievement of those agreements and, uh, and uh, after our clearly demonstrated uh, intentions uh, by us to create uh, favorable conditions uh, to continue the talks. We came across, uh, uh, we faced a provocation in Bucha, uh, to which uh, uh, the Russian army has uh, nothing to do. We know who staged that provocation, how they did it, and what people were involved in that provocation, and the position of our uh, negotiators uh, uh, for further settlement. Uh, our negotiators' position changed uh, radically after that. They uh, uh, decided not to uh, move the issues of security guarantees uh, uh, and uh, the Crimea and Sevastopol and uh, Donbass uh, issues uh, outside uh, the 
agreement. They just uh, rejected that. And in their draft agreement, uh, we pointed that into articles that these issues should be solved at the at the meeting of uh, the heads of state. Of course, we understand that uh, these issues, if we move them uh, to the level of the heads of state without solving them uh, preliminarily uh, in a draft agreement, uh, we know that they will never be settled uh, like that. And uh, to sign under security guarantees at in that case, without solving uh, the issues of territorial guarantees uh, with respect to Crimea, Sevastopol and the Donbas republics, we cannot do that. Nevertheless, the talks continue. Uh, they're being now held uh, in an online uh, format, and I hope that uh, this will lead us uh, to some positive results. This is what I wanted to say at the beginning. Uh, I'm sure we will have many issues uh, in connection with the situation. Maybe we will talk about other issues. I'm very happy to see you. Welcome to Moscow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for receiving me in the Kremlin. It is true. As the Secretary General, my main concern is the situation in Ukraine. I have a clear understanding that we need a multilateral world order based on the UN Charter and international law. Any rules which will be established must be established uh, with the consensus of the international community and they should uh, totally reflect the international law. I strongly believe in the international law in the UN Charter and this is why we differ in our views on the situation which uh, take place. I understand that the Russian Federation has uh, several uh, claims uh, and complaints uh, about the situation in Ukraine and also in connection with the European global security. I've held uh, many positions in my life. I remember that I had uh, the possibility to meet you when I worked, when I was the head of the in the, the, the EU and worked for the government of Portugal. We even met in the same room, maybe. I understand your consent, but in our view, this consent must be solved used on various tools suggested by the UN Charter. We strongly believe that the violation of uh, the territorial uh, integrity of any country fully contradicts the UN Charter. And we are deeply concerned in connection with what's happening uh, now. And we believe that uh, there was uh, an invasion into the territory of Ukraine. Nevertheless, I arrived in Moscow with a pragmatic approach. We're deeply concerned about the humanitarian situation in Ukraine. The United Nations is not part of the political negotiations. 
We've never been invited or allowed to take part in the Minsk process or the Normandy format. Uh, the UN was never part of those formats. We're not part of the talks. And I had uh, the opportunity to express this to Predigan Erdogan. We support the dialogue between the two countries and we support uh, Turkey's uh, goodwill in promoting this approach. But our main task is uh, with regard to the humanitarian situation in Ukraine and we want to improve it. This is exactly why I held uh, a meeting today with Minister Sergei Lavrov. And I presented two proposals. First, to implement our proposal, which we presented at the meeting of the uh, with the Ministry of Defense. Our team works uh, with the Ministry of Defense uh, to clarify the situation with regard to. Uh, uh, humanitarian corridors and humanitarian aid, and that cooperation was uh, fruitful. But to be honest, we come across uh, situations when uh, Ukraine uh, establishes one corridor and Russia establishes another corridor, and the situation is such that uh, those corridors uh, do not work. Therefore, we propose that uh, there should be a humanitarian contact group uh, represented by uh, the UN, uh, Russia, and Ukraine will discuss the situation so that these corridors will be truly effective, so that nobody will have an excuse to uh, sabotage those corridors. On the other part, we understand uh, the difficult situation in Mariupol. Again, as for this situation, I would like to say that the United Nations is prepared to fully mobilize its logistical capacities, its human resources, together with uh, yeah, the MCK and uh, uh, with the, uh, the Red Cross, and uh, uh, Mr. Mauer is prepared to support this initiative. We have to work together with the armed forces of Ukraine and Russia so that so once and for all this problem will be solved. This will be an initial operation to evacuate civilians from the Azovstal steelworks. Russia is permanently excused that it doesn't conduct this evacuation. On the other hand, Russia has announced the establishment of corridors which are not being used. And we are together with the Red Cross, with the Ukraine and Russia, we are prepared to assess the situation. And within two, three days, this will allow us to uh, evacuate those who want to be evacuated. Of course, this is a voluntary process. On the other hand, as for Mariupol, many people uh, and, and a large uh, area of the city has been destroyed. Many people are still there and they are in a difficult situation. They want to leave the city. Some want to leave uh, for Russia. Others want to leave uh, for the territory controlled by the Ukrainian authorities. And together with the Red Cross, we will use all our resources to work together with the authorities of Russia and Ukraine 
in order to create this opportunity to guarantee the evacuation of those people. This will be a longer process. We have to establish more concrete forms of cooperation, but we are really interested in this. We pursue only one aim, is to alleviate the situation of those people and to alleviate their suffering. As I already said, this is the opportunity to unite our agencies and the, and the Red Cross and to do this process totally transparent so that nobody will accuse the other party that something is not taken in. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, guys. So you would think that this... Uh, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez uh, simply believes whatever it is that his handlers tell him to believe and just uh, goes along with whatever story. You could tell this guy does absolutely no independent research of his own, right? Because uh, Putin's about to hand it to him right now, guys. Putin's about to tell him everything that he just said that was wrong with everything that he just said, right? From the humanitarian corridors to the situation in Maripol, to the Azovstal uh, steel works mill. P Putin's about to hand it to him. Yeah, here we go. And uh, Dixie, uh, thanks for saying hello and thank you for the can. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. I am really well uh, uh, aware of all the documents of the International Court of the UN on the situation in Kosovo. I remember very well the decision of the International Court, which says that uh, when implementing the right to self-determination, uh, uh, this or that territory of any country does not have to ask uh, for permission to declare their sovereignty to the central authorities of that country. That was uh, written uh, in relation to Kosovo, and that was the decision of the International Court. And that decision was supported by everybody. I personally read all the comments from uh, the legal and uh, administrative and political bodies of the United States and the European countries. Everybody supported that. If this is so, then the republics of Donbass, the Donetsk People's Republics and the Lugansk People's Republic have the same rights without uh, applying to the central authorities in Kiev to declare their sovereignty because the president exists. Is this so? Do you agree with this? Yeah. First of all, Mr. President, the United Nations doesn't recognize Kosovo. But the court, the court recognized this. Let me finish. The court recognized it. If this, is, uh, if this president has been created, then the republics of Donbass could have done the same way. Having done this, and, and, and then on our part, we got the right to recognize them as independent states. Many states in the world have done that, uh, including our opponents uh, in relation to Kosovo. Many countries in the world have recognized Kosovo. This is a fact. Many states, many Western states have recognized it as an independent state. We've done the same 
with the relation to the republics of Donbass. But after we did that, they uh, applied to us with a request to provide military help to them against uh, the country which was conducting military operations against it, against them. Uh, we were entitled to do this uh, under Article uh, 51.7 of the UN Charter. We will discuss about this later. I want to um, comment on the second part of your statement about Mariupol. The situation is complicated there and, and tragic. But it's simple, really. I've uh, spoken to President Erdogan today. He said that uh, military operations were taking place there. No, the op military operations have ended there. There are no military operations in Mari Mariupol. They've stopped. Part of the armed forces of Ukraine, which were deployed in other industrial areas, they have surrendered. They almost 1,300 people surrendered. They were taken prisoners, but there were even more of the more. There are some wounded there. They are kept in normal conditions. Wounded persons are receiving qualified medical assistance by our doctors. If the Azovstal steel works are completely sealed, is completely uh, sealed off, I ordered uh, not to assault it. There are no military, direct military operations there. Yes, we hear from uh, the Ukrainian authorities that there are civilians there. In that case, the servicemen of the Ukrainian army must release them, or they are acting as terrorists in many countries, as the ISIS in Syria. They are hiding behind the civilians. This, the easiest thing to do is to release them. You are talking about uh, uh, the Russian uh, humanitarian corridors that they are not working. No, they lied to you. They are uh, working with our assistance, uh, more than 100 thousand people left Mariupol, 130 or 140,000 people left Mariupol, and they're free to go anywhere. Some people want to go to uh, Russia, some to Ukraine, uh, anywhere. We don't hold them back, and we provide uh, all possible support and assistance to them. Civilians can also do the same if they're there at the Azovstal works. They can just leave. An example of civilized attitude uh, to those people is obvious. Everybody can see that. Just talk to those people who left. What would be easier for the troops there? or for the representatives of the Nationalist Battalion. Just leave, uh, just release those people. It's uh, a crime to, heal the, to hold their people as a human shield if they're there. We are in touch with them. 
with those who is uh, holed up there in uh, the basements of the Azovstal works. They also have good examples. Uh, their comrades in arms uh, have uh, left and uh, laid down their arms. More than a, hun a thousand people, uh, 1,300 actually, and nothing has happened to them. If you want to see uh, uh, esteemed uh, Secretary General and the representatives of the Red Cross and the United Nations, how they're being kept and where and how medical assistance is being provided to wounded. So the wounded, we can uh, help you. This is the easiest solution of this difficult uh, or seemingly difficult issue. Let's. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all okay all right there you go putin handing it up guys putin handing you they lied to you clearly you don't have a brain of your own uh esteemed united nations secretary general whatever the heck his name is antonio banderas at right no it's not it's not antonio banderas it's not Antonio Banderas, but yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, he's like, uh, the people, we have corridors from Russia and corridors from Ukraine. That's not the way I understood it, not from the jump. From the way I understood, they were coordinated with the Red Cross together from the beginning, right? But whenever the Ukrainians decided they wanted to uh, up and leave, well, it seems that the, um, <clears throat> the Nazi forces of the Ukraine army would just uh, shoot them up. Ladies and gentlemen, is what it seems. All right, guys. Well, there you go. There. I mean, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, uh, back and forth there. It was more forth than back, right, by um, uh, President Vladimir Putin. Uh, do you guys think that he looks ill, right? Do you, when was it that? It wasn't during um, Victory Day. I have, like, an errant mosquito in here, guys. I don't know where the heck it came from, but I'm like... Is it one of them COVID mosquitoes? You know, I can actually... Oh, it's not a mosquito. It's a gnat. Whoopsie. <laughs> it landed on the computer. My bad. <laughs> there goes my entire... Okay, audience. Uh, we're back, guys. Okay, sorry about that. I was trying to kill a gnat. All right. Uh, so, yeah, what was I saying? I can't remember what else I was saying. Uh, but anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. Yeah, lies. Liza Minnelli lies, ladies and gentlemen. Because... Uh, these people are being handled and they are just doing what they are told. Okay. All right. Now I got a better view of what is going on here. Okay. All right, guys. So in the interest of time, you never would have known it, right? Unless I were, we're not saying it. 
uh, had to, uh, we'll have to cut a few stories, guys, because this could go long, right? I just, uh, I overshoot every time, don't I? Uh, so uh, let's go on into this topic here. And there's some pretty juicy stories, but it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. We don't need to hear about Kissinger. We don't need to hear about uh, Karina Yushchenko, right? We'll we'll talk about them next time. We'll talk about them next time. So the question du jour is then what is really happening in Ukraine? What's going on in the Donbass region? Now, I would like to turn my uh, audience and also anyone else out there who uh, has interest in this, or maybe they have a show of their own. Um, the Donbass Insider is one of the outlets that I will turn to to find out information as it is going on in Ukraine. Like, uh, you know, uh, we were kind of ch- uh, chatting there in the uh, the chat room about, uh, you know, I mentioned that most of the people that I follow as far as getting information on what's going on in Ukraine are actual journalists and reporters on the ground there in Ukraine. So uh, obviously the Donbass Insider, hello, the Donbass region, it's a donbass-insider.com, right? Sharing the sources uh, so you can stay abreast. Uh, here's some of their headlines. Uh, let's see here. Let's start here. Uh, got uh, uh, Svetlodarsk under Russian and LPR control battle at Krasny Liam and encirclement of Severodonetsk. Severodonetsk. Hey, I wasn't done yet. And Lysychansk. Okay, so uh, remember, like I was telling you, uh, the question here is now what is really going on? Well, we're going to tell you what's really going on. They're in the Donbass region, right? Um, Azovstal has been uh, has been taken over. Um, and uh, what else do they got here? Uh, uh, Dmitry Iraq, neo-Nazi and ISIS ally. So here you have the Donbass insider uh, drawing together neo-Nazis befriending ISIS terrorists, right? Let me get myself out of the picture here. Let's fix this. Here we go. All right, there we go. That's better. And uh, I need to do this as well. There we go. That's even better, right? So apparently these neo-Nazis are, uh, you know, uh, um, hanging out and having a good time with uh, ISIS terrorists. Okay, so there's an interesting article there on that. Domino effect of the surrender of Ukrainian soldiers in Azovstal on the rest of Ukrainian troops in Donbass, right? And even more interesting articles, right? Uh, let's look. This one. This one's pretty interesting. I actually got to read this one at some point. Igor Mosoyuchuk says Crimea will be Ukrainian or will be depopulated. So that's the next thing that's coming out of Ukraine. Apparently, Ukraine is making plans to attack and to uh, and to retake Crimea. So keep that on your radar, ladies and gentlemen, because that could be some fallout from this um, from this liberation of the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic, guys. That's just looking forward, right? That's looking forward. Like, apparently Ukraine is planning to attack Crimea. Now, let me just ask you this, guys. If um, Russia annexed Crimea in this bloody, violent annexation, right, um, why would Ukraine need to attack them? Don't you think that the people would go back with open arms? Or do I need to play that clip of the Russian Crimean gentleman who, when asked uh, if this was uh, Ukraine or Crimea on video, he's all, Russia! Right? They're all very happy about it, right? 
they were all very happy about it. Um, let's take a look at some of these articles, guys. Let's take a look at them. Let's look at uh, Svetlodarsk under Russian and LPR control. LPR, that is the uh, Luhansk People's Republic, right? As they are a sovereign entity now. Um, battle at Krasny Liam and encirclement of Severodonetsk and Lysychansk. Okay, let's see what this has to say as we wrap up tonight's report on Russia-Ukraine special military operation. While the town of Svetlodarsk near Deboltsvesevo has come under the control of Russia and the Luhansk People's Republic, the battle is already raging further northwest in the town of Krasny Liman, and the encirclement of Severodonetsk and Lysychansk is well advanced. An update on the latest frontline developments in the Donbass. On May 24th, 2022, the takeover of Svetlodarsk opposite Deboltsevo and northeast of Gorlatka by Russia and the LPR was confirmed by a video showing the removal of the Ukrainian flag from the town's administration building and its replacement by the Russian flag. The Ukrainian authorities also acknowledged the loss of control over Svetlodarsk. This rapid advance was made possible by the withdrawal of Ukrainian troops who preferred to flee rather than be surrounded and end up like their comrades in Azovstal. After their failed attempt to blow up the dike holding back the water at the Uglagorsk power station, which would have had catastrophic consequences for civilians who would have been drowned by the flooding and no doubt Russia would have been blamed for it, the towns of Luganskoy and Miranovsky, which are in the immediate vicinity of Svetlodarsk, are also now under Russian and DPR, that is... Um, um, uh, Luhansk and uh, uh, the DPR guys. Anyways, I don't know why my, my brain is failing me right now. The detailed map of the uh, Donetsk, right? The Donetsk People's Republic. I apologize. Uh, the detailed map of the Svetlodarsk front area with the Russian and the Donetsk People's Republic controlled towns are circled in red. So you got Luhansk, you got Miravinsky, uh, and you got Svetlodarsk. Okay all under control, and I guess uh, the dam they were trying to blow up was somewhere over here. Anyways, I'm not going to pretend to know. In the Donetsk People's Republic, the battle for the capture of Krasny Liman, renamed Liman by Ukraine following uh, decommunization, continues. The assault on the town was launched by Russian and DPR armed forces on the morning of May 23rd. The troops entered the city from Drobyachevo and Stavka, pardon me, and took control of the northern part of Krasny Liman. On 24 May, the Zelyony Klin district was captured, and the Ukrainian army was driven out of the adjacent forests towards Shurovo, Shurovo where fighting is currently taking place. Fighting is ongoing in Independent Street where the administrative district is located. See the map below showing the Russian and the DPR-controlled area of Krasny Liman in red, and the ongoing fighting is symbolized by an explosion sign. I don't see an explosion sign, but maybe I just don't know. Oh, here it is. Here's the explosion sign right here. You see it? It's right there, ladies and gentlemen, right there. 
Okay, so Ukrainian forces, Russian forces. All right. The main Ukrainian defense is on the railway complex and industrial area of the station, and its artillery operates on the side of the Chalk Mountains near Rygorodok. About 500 Ukrainian soldiers from the 24th, 79th, and 128th Brigades of the Ukrainian Armed Forces and the neo-Nazi Donbass Battalion have already moved to this area of the front. Further east in the Luhansk People's Republic, the encirclement of Lysychansk and Severodonetsk is well advanced. Thanks to the capture of Papasanaya, the Russian and LPR armed forces were able to advance very close to the highway linking Artyomosk, renamed Bakhmut by Kiev because of decommunization but apparently not denazification, to uh, Lysychansk, putting one of the routes by which the Ukrainian soldiers could have withdrawn within range. The capture of the villages of Vidrosedenia, Vasilivka, and the road from Artyomosk to Lysychansk was confirmed by a Canadian journalist working on the Ukrainian side. Very interesting, right? The only option left for them to escape the encirclement would be the road to Siversk and then Artyomosk, yellow arrows on the map below. But at the rate at which the encirclement of Artyomosk is advancing, the red arrows, okay, uh, there's the yellow arrows, there's the red arrows, um, that is advancing, the Ukrainian troops need to decide quickly if they do not want to end up in a new cauldron, okay? Keep in mind, guys, this seems to be the last battlefront of this special military operation, the Donbass region, right? They saved that for last. They made sure they got rid of and demilitarized the Nazis in Ukraine proper before they went into this battle, right? And as we speak right now, the United, uh, NATO, United States, and all these other countries are sending them deadly arms, ladies and gentlemen. As we can see, contrary to some Western media are saying, Russia is far from being bogged down in Ukraine. The front line is moving fast. Everyday Russia, the DPR, and the LPR are taking under their control new localities, and the future cauldrons are taking shape more and more clearly. Great article there, wouldn't you say? Doesn't it feel good to know what the heck is going on over there? I would say so, ladies and gentlemen. This is the last battlefront, just about, you know? And I think there were some predictions that this would be over by May, end of May, right? So maybe we'll have, maybe we'll have two new sovereignties in the region, no more Nazis, and Putin back home by mid-June, guys. WC Cranop, thank you so much for the cookie. And hey, 123SKG, I appreciate you lending me some shades tonight. Much appreciated. All right, just a few more articles and we're done and we're done. Domino effect of the surrender of Ukrainian soldiers in Azovstal on the rest of the Ukrainian troops in the Donbass, right? They lost their morale. While more than 2,400 Ukrainian troops in Azovstal have surrendered, this massive surrender has a domino effect on other Ukrainian troops still in the Donbass prompting them to lay down their arms too. 
Since 16 May 2022, the gradual surrender of Ukrainian soldiers who were surrounded in the Azovstal factory in Maripol has continued. See the video of the surrender of Ukrainian soldiers. Okay, we're going to skip that video. Sorry, guys. A total of 2,439 Ukrainian soldiers surrendered, including the commander of the 36th Brigade of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, Sergei Volitsky, nicknamed Volin, who surrendered today, followed by the second-in-command of the neo-Nazi Azov Regiment, Zviatstolav Palomar, nicknamed Kalyana, and finally, the commander of the neo-Nazi Azov Regiment, Denis Prokopenko. The surrender of the three commanders marked the liberation of the territory of the Azovstal factory, which is now fully under the control of the Russian army and the Donetsk Pub People's Republic People's Militia. The three commanders handed over their weapons to the Russian armed forces and the DPR's People's Militia. Their belongings were searched and they went through the standard procedure like all other Ukrainian soldiers in Azovstal before boarding the buses that took them to the Elonovka Penitentiary Center. This center was visited by the Red Cross, which was able to verify that the prisoners are treated in accordance with the Geneva Convention. The Ukrainian soldiers confirmed to the Red Cross representatives and to a Ukrainian representative that they are being treated well, that they are being fed three times a day, that the food is good, and that they are receiving appropriate care for their condition. This is very different from the treatment given to Russian soldiers captured by the Ukrainian army. And might I add, the January 6th false flag political um, captives as well. That's pretty sad, guys. Pretty sad, right? When we uh, hold our own people to a much lower standard than that of our supposed nemesis arch enemy, Russia. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could learn a thing or two from them, right? Or maybe the people should learn a thing or two about their supposed leaders. Anyways, article goes on to say, It should also be noted that the profile and condition of the Ukrainian soldiers who left Azovstal to surrender was very different from day to day. Well, on the first day of the surrender, the Ukrainian soldiers leaving the factory were emaciated and appeared to be in very poor condition. The next day, they were relatively clean and well-fed soldiers who surrendered. The difference was in the unit to which these soldiers belonged. In the first day, it was mainly FAU, that's a Ukrainian uh, Armed Forces, uh, in the first day, it was uh, mainly FAU soldiers who surrendered. The next day, it was mainly fighters for the Azov Regiment. So they're feeding Azov Nazis a lot better than they are Ukrainian armed forces. When inspecting their luggage, Russian and DPR soldiers found a large quantity of canned food, suggesting that the Azov fighters had appropriated the food stocks, leaving the other Ukrainian soldiers to starve. The food situation was very different in the different bunkers in Azovstal, says Igor Kimakovsky, an advisor to the DPR leader who participated in the negotiations. In some places, there were stocks of canned food, fresh water and medicine, and in other places, Ukrainian soldiers were given only 150 grams of porridge and a small piece of bacon per day. 
water was taken from the central heating pipes. And if this mass surrender of Ukrainian soldiers from Azovstal is still being deliriously called an evacuation by Zelensky and many in the Western media, it is because the Ukrainian authorities and the Western governments that actively support Ukraine understand that it will have and is already having an effect on the morale of the rest of the Ukrainian troops in Donbass. For example, on 18 May 2022, a video of soldiers from the 115th Brigade of the Ukrainian Armed Forces stationed in Severodonetsk, currently almost completely surrounded and already taken over by the Russian army and the LPR, Luhansk People's Republic, People's Militia, was published in which the soldiers announced that they were refusing to fight because of a lack of reinforcements, command, and appropriate military equipment. Clearly, the Ukrainian soldiers refused to be used as cannon fodder sent to certain death. In this video, these soldiers from the 3rd Battalion of the 115th Brigade refer to another video from another battalion of the same brigade who also refused to fight. There are between 8,000 and 15,000 Ukrainian soldiers in the Severodonetsk region. This means a large number of potential surrenders of additional Ukrainian soldiers. Massive surrenders of Ukrainian soldiers have already begun in the LPR. Okay, guys, let me just, uh, it's a minute and 45 seconds. I think we can do that, right? We can do that. So uh, let's just see. It's going to have um, captions, so I'm going to have to pause <laughs> for the uh, podcast audience, or I'll just replay. How about that? For the podcast audience, so that this way they are not neglected in this information. Okay, so let's get a rolling. Let's get a rolling. We're already two minutes past the hour, but we're still doing good, guys. All right, here we go. Let me take off that. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, so this is Sergei Mihailovich, born uh, 7-14-2002. Oh, he's a baby. He says, I serve at 79th Separate Air Assault Brigade. He says, since 24th, I was at the north of Donetsk, or Donek. Then 8th of March, we went to Sevoskaya to take up defense there. He said, in the children's camp with another separate company until the 15th of March. He says, he says, then we went to a place next to the Zelenia Dolina. We sat there for two weeks. He then goes on to say, 
then we went to Droboshevo. We sat there for around three weeks. Then they told us to attack. He says, our commanders ditched us and we did not have a choice. We all surrendered. The interrogator asks, why was the decision to surrender taken? He says, we wanted to stay alive. Uh, the uh, Russian interrogator asks, what were your commanders telling you? He says, we called them on their cell phones and they said, if you want, go back to Lehman. Everyone moved back except you. Did, did they threaten you about leaving your position? And he says, yes, up to eight years in prison. Up to eight years in prison if you leave your positions? Yes, yes. Is that why many soldiers surrendered? Yes. But in the end, you still surrendered because of what? It's because they it's because they wanted to live, ladies and gentlemen. They wanted to live. All right, let's wrap up with this article. And I got, uh, let's see here. Well, well, we're doing good, guys. Okay, all right. Thanks again for hanging out, guys. We're almost there. We're at the end of this. We're at the end of this. Okay, especially since the abandonment of men at the front by their um, commanders... Uh, It seems to have become the rule. Thus, the wives of the soldiers of the 103rd Territorial Defense Battalion, the Volksturm in Ukrainian, have discovered that while their husbands are dying on the front, their commander is safe in Lvov. If the surrender of the Ukrainian soldiers at Azovstal has such an effect on the rest of the Ukrainian troops, it is because the fighters of the neo-Nazi Azov Regiment, who made up a good third of the soldiers present in the basement of the factory, are among the most fanatical. If even they surrender, why should the conscripts and other Ukrainian soldiers who are far less fanatical go to certain death? Without adequate means to defend themselves while their commanders are safe away from the front, it remains to be seen how big this domino effect will be and whether it will be enough to seriously shake Ukrainian defense in the Donbass. That's what's really going on. That's what's up, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's up. Um, So this article here, it's just uh, the Donbass, the battle for Maripol is over, dated uh, April 23rd. Okay, so we won't go through all of this, but this is just another confirmation that uh, the DPR and the Russian army uh, took over um, uh, Maripol. Okay, it it says here, um, it says here just in short, 
On 20 and 21 April 2022, we were in Maripol exploring the territories of the commercial port and the Elitcha factory. Recently liberated by the Russian army and the DPR People's Militia, we found a lot of Ukrainian uniforms, but also bodies of Ukrainian soldiers and civilians, medical equipment from NATO countries, military maps, and booby-trapped basements. So that is that. Again, that was from the Donbass Insider. As of stall is fully liberated, Russian military. This is from uh, RT, actually. Uh, so the entire territory of the Avistol factory complex in Maripol has been liberated. The Russian Defense Ministry announced on Friday more than 2,400 people surrounded inside uh, for almost a month, including Ukrainian servicemen and members of the neo-Nazi Azov unit, have laid down their arms and surrendered. So we already went through that information, but there's another article. And uh, I think, ladies and gentlemen, that is debunk. I told you guys I wanted to do a debunk, uh, but we don't got another hour to spare. So, all right, guys, come on, come on. There we go. And there was another source I wanted to share with you guys, but we'll have to do it next time. Uh, but, you know, I hope that wet your whistle for tonight, at least, guys. That's what we do here at the Sea Report and uh, caught everyone up on the situation in uh, Ukraine, guys. I mean, uh, we're almost at the end of this. Now, um, how effectively um, all of these Nazis have been removed, I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, with all of the weapons that are being flown in, trained in, and trucked in from all of the NATO allies, uh, I don't know if they're going to try and elongate, right? Elongate this um conflict and hopefully not hopefully not hopefully they use precision weapons to take out um <clears throat> all of these uh these illegal arms that are coming in uh wc cranop says um oh you guys are talking about kissinger i'm like you guys are talking about kissinger right like literally guys i kid you not i kid you not i had a kissinger story with Russia and Ukraine today, but we just don't got the time for it. Hey, Aurelius Locke, good to see you, brother. Show's over. Show's, I don't know where you've been hanging out, but the show is over. Okay, guys, thanks again, everyone, for hanging out tonight. Again, thank you all for the, um, um, the oh, for gifting the cookies, the cans, the shades. 123SKG, 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 thank you so much. And Skeeterberg tossing a can this way. Thank you for telling me a, a bedtime story. Once upon a time in Donbass. Let me get this freaking... Let me get this guy off the screen. Sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you guys let me keep Kissinger on the screen this long. Okay, let me get him off the screen. Okay. <laughs> Once upon a time in Donbass, the neo-Nazis, the Nazi brigades, laid down their arms to the likes of Putin... And the Russian forces that are fighting against the Nazi world order and all of their henchmen, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. If you didn't get enough of me tonight, uh, tune in to This Is News with myself and the bartender over at the Speak Uneasy Lounge. You know where to find it at Foxhole Pilled, at Twitch, and I think at Facebook and Twitter as well. Right? Uh, we'll be live in T-minus, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes or so, right? Uh, we'll, we'll take it easy. We won't, we won't be as newsworthy as we are right now, but we will have a lot of fun, guys. So make sure you guys come on over and say hello, at least. 
Um, but in the meantime, guys, don't forget, follow us over at, well, at Foxhole. Give us a like, right? Favorite the show. Um, continue with them, Red Pills. They're always appreciated. Uh, catching up, actually, with um, all the people that are following over there. So great. Uh, glad glad to see that uh, the show has some support. Uh, it always has at the Foxhole, though. I don't know. Uh, don't misinterpret that statement, please. And then, of course, also, if you're at Rumble, at Twitch, at Clout Hub, if you caught, if you caught this live stream or rebroadcast, Make sure you give us a follow, subscribe for free. Uh, follow me over at MRCTV, Truth Social, at MR underscore CTV on Gab. And don't forget about the podcast version of this show, anchor.fm slash the C Report, with multiple podcast outlets for you to catch your C's, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, as always and forever, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you soon. Take care till then. Bye-bye.